0: Chapter Number One of The Christian Nurse and Her Mission in the Sick Room. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lola Janey of Northern Virginia. The Nurse and Her Mission in the Sick Room by Francis Xavier Gautrellet. Translated by John Mason Neal. Chapter Number four of the dispositions with which we must discharge this office one our estimation of these offices the disposition that is most essential for if it exists it will necessarily produce all the others is an exalted idea of the greatness of this ministry of the numerous difficulties which it presents and the infinite consequences arising from the manner in which it is fulfilled we must look upon ourselves as charged to provide for the salvation of the sick person whom we are assisting and act toward him as if god himself who is his father had confided him to our trust and to our care it is not however to understand these truths We must often meditate upon them frequently make them a subject of prayer and imbue ourselves deeply with them the first three chapters of this little work will furnish abundant matter for these reflections two the spirit of faith but the most efficacious of all the means for understanding and appreciating these truths is to consider them with the eye of faith yes faith only a lively and real faith is the light which should illuminate and guide those who give themselves up to this employment the greater this faith the easier it will be to fulfill these painful offices with devotion this faith will open their eyes to the dignity of the sick person it will see in him the child of god the inheritor of heaven a creature made in the image of the holy trinity redeemed with the price of the blood of jesus christ destined to praise and glorify its creator and savior to all eternity Footnote. the story is well known of the surgeon in some parisian hospital who in going through a ward with a brother physician Recommended some unusual operation on the patient by whose bedside they were standing, and they finished by the quotation, "Fiat experimentum in corpore vile," let the experiment be tried on a vile body. The poor man understood Latin and replied, "Corpus non tam vile, pro quo Christus non." Dead est mori that body is not so vile for which christ disdained not to die e d in this body disfigured by sickness and suffering it will discover the temple of the holy ghost the member of christ flesh of his flesh so to speak and bone of his bone on this hideous and repulsive form the Saviour will one day cause the light of His glory to shine, and will raise it up again in the likeness of His glorified body. Those dull eyes are destined to contemplate the Lord Jesus forever in the heavenly Jerusalem. That mouth, whence painful groans are wrung it by pain, will resound the shout of joy and love through all eternity that pale and haggard face will become more shining than the sun and will reflect the rays of divine beauty that soul withered by suffering weighed down and as it were crushed under the weight of a body which is falling unto dissolution as under the ruins of a crumbling house will soon be free and released from its fetters will soon go to the bosom of its god to taste there a joy as pure as it is lasting and to render to that god the glory and worship due to his sovereign majesty this is the faith that will make you appreciate the misery of the soul in a state of mortal sin and will produce in your heart that feeling of compassion which the sight of the most extreme wretchedness united to the most terrible danger, naturally inspires. Look attentively at that soul, sealed in holy baptism with the character of the children of God. You will see there the disfigured traces of its primitive greatness and the degenerate marks of its divine origin, and you will weep over its misery as Jesus Christ wept over Jerusalem. Not content with bewailing it, you will stretch out a helping hand and you will seek to heal its evils as great as they are to itself imperceptible. This is the duty of her who is charged with the care of the sick and with assisting them to die. 3. Zeal Faith also will exert its zeal by showing to her on one side heaven and on the other hell both eternal for there is no middle state and every man is reduced to this alternative but for the sick man the obligation of choice is imminent and the moment of fixing his fate for ever has arrived it is evident that similar thoughts may act powerfully on a christian heart and those who place themselves under the influence of these truths must receive great encouragement from them to undertake and venture everything for the interest of the soul from this pure and sacred source the inspiration of zeal should be derived and what may it not accomplish when it is pure and sincere how many sick persons are snatched from eternal misery by the zeal of those who assisted them how many others will be doomed to eternal punishment whom charitable pains would have arrested on the brink of the abyss zeal enlightened prudent industrious which strains every nerve to accomplish its end courageous which nothing disheartens which no obstacle can disconcert constant which triumphs over difficulties by the all-powerful strength of a persevering will which sets to itself i must procure the eternal salvation of this soul it must be done at all cost patient zeal which knows when it is necessary how to wait for the moments of grace and which repulsed by a hundred times always returns to the charge by choosing the favorable instant if the devil in the last moments of man makes so many efforts to obtain his soul and consummate his misery is it not right that we should use every power to protect and save it but mistake not this pure and sincere zeal can only be the fruit of grace it presupposes supernatural motives and can only be inspired by faith it cannot therefore be met with in those persons who only seek a material gain in the service of the sick and who are only actuated by worldly motives the ties of blood and friendship however strong they may be will not suffice to produce in us this ardent thirst for the salvation of souls the natural love however lawful which we bear to our relatives and friends is of an inferior order it must be ennobled and consecrated by divine love it is in grace and not in nature that the christian must seek for the principle of his action four courage it is useless to say that those who are destined to fulfil stern offices must arm themselves with courage to overcome natural repugnance and to pass through any fatigue. We all know that they have need of patience, that will endure all trials and unalterable gentleness. Each day fresh occasions will offer themselves for the exercise of those virtues, so dear to the heart of jesus christ and so advantageous both for those who practice and those who are the object of them the sick person already suffers enough without adding to his pain had he merited it a thousand times he must be spared this addition to his suffering five prayer we must not forget another disposition quite as essential and that is prayer one has only to know the first elements of religion to be aware that grace is absolutely necessary for the conversion and salvation of souls that without it man would act in vain and that all good comes from above it is no less certain that this grace is promised to prayer which is as it were its essential condition therefore the first thing that should be done by a person who undertakes to wait on or to assist a sick man is to recommend him to god and to pray both for the health of his body should that be for his advantage and for that more important still of his soul for the condition of the soul is more deplorable than that of the body however overwhelmed by the latter may be by the weight of its infirmities whoever would convince themselves of the importance which the church attaches to prayer in the last moments of a christian has only to cast one glance over the long and varied formulas of prayer and supplications which she puts in the mouth of her ministers and children and which she desires them to recite for the sick We see that in her eyes there are no circumstances more critical, no moment in which is more necessary to come to the help of human weakness. We can also understand what is her confidence in this means and how much she thinks of its efficiency in repelling the devil, in strengthening the sick man, in obtaining for him the graces of which he has such pressing need the person who is charged with assisting him ought to enter into the feelings of the church and come with confidence to this all-powerful weapon to pray instantly for the sick man is ordinarily we repeat the most efficacious means it is the easiest and most attainable method for every one to comfort him in his corporal and spiritual misfortunes it is therefore the first duty of the person who waits upon him she must use it constantly and every day she will suffer to the lord fervent prayers with this intention see the prayers at the end of this book six state of grace is it necessary to remind those persons who give themselves up to these offices not less painful than they are sublime That they can do nothing thankworthy in the sight of god without being in a state of grace if the sick man without this disposition cannot profit by his sickness how can his attendant without the same condition acquire from her work of charity the numerous graces which are attached to it for her who is living a life of grace all her steps all her actions all her words all her troubles are laying upon a crown she will receive the reward in the least act done on the principle of charity what will then be the remuneration of the fatigues and the prolonged watchings to which she condemns herself the multiplied privations which she accepts the repugnance of nature which she overcomes even the danger to which she exposes herself but if she be in a state of mortal sin all is born in vain what a loss in the eyes of faith what a powerful motive to return to the friendship of god for any one who may have the unhappiness of being at enmity with him you who are not discouraged by the many troubles attached to the sick poor or who in your own families are waiting on a sick relation. Do not allow yourselves thus to lose the fruit of your fatigue and anxiety. Hasten to the fountain open for sin and uncleanness, and there acquire the pardon you need. You will thence gain an infinity of graces, your troubles will become sweeter, and God will bless the care you bestow on his children. Who can tell the consolation and the grace which you will acquire in these practices? And how much, in sanctifying yourselves, they will be useful to the sick whom you serve, and other persons in the house? For it is necessary to act in visiting the sick, and in the cares bestowed upon them, that we may comfort them when we may profit ourselves. End of chapter 4